Hello and welcome to the Diamond Life podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton. Each week, I show you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I interview top thought leaders changing the world with their work. And I also show you how you can build a life in alignment with your soul, do your dharma, be happier, healthier, live longer, and have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace. So without further ado, let's dive into the next podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dharma Life Podcast. I'm your host, Aloise Surfleet Middleton, and every week we bring you an incredible guest who is helping you build a 5D life in alignment with your soul. And today I have a wonderful gentleman all the way from Italy, Nicholas Gianni. Welcome to the Dharma Life Podcast. Thank you, Aloise. Very happy to be here. I'm excited about the conversation we're about to have, but the reason I really wanted to get Nicholas on is he is what I would call um, a real expert in the niche of integrated and collective trauma. And I am a real advocate of people doing their inner work and looking at their shadow and really diving deep into their own inner work. And I know Nicholas has got so much value he can add on this topic. Hence inviting him on the show today. So Nicholas, welcome to the Dharma Life podcast. Thank you. I would love it if you would be so kind as to just share with my audience, you know, a little bit about how you find yourself doing this work. It's such, you know, valuable work, especially at this time on the planet. Um, right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this work in one way or another for um, well over 40 years. My life actually changed dramatically at the age of 16 when I had a, a spontaneous awakening. Wow. Which really literally was one of those kind of epiphany moments that life was never going to be the same afterwards. So actually, in one way or another, since the age of 16, um, consciousness, potential has always been the center of my life. And, you know, that took me through many kind of different studies, teachings, practices, um, and really little by little coming to what I do now, which, which feels like an integration of all the levels. You know, I think that's why I think this conversation is very important because I was certainly someone who for a long time believed and actually really kind of wanted to believe that if we did enough meditation and if we did enough spiritual work, it would take care of the, of the shadow. It would take care of the unintegrated emotional stuff. I mean, I think many people do because um, I think Jung put it beautifully when he said, you know, we don't get enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Mm. He then said something like the latter process is not a, an easy one and therefore not very popular, which was actually, I think, a, a major understatement because it's not easy. No. And I think it's incredibly easy to not 
do that for many reasons actually and maybe we can go into those mm. reasons as well mm. yeah so for me um i mean i did i, I there was a, an important time in, in my life when i did a year and a half of therapy um and that was very valuable she was she was a great therapist but it took me a long time to really understand the bigger picture and of how shadow work and spiritual work absolutely need to be interdependent. And probably only when I really um, engaged very intensively with a, a spiritual teacher called Thomas Hubel in 2013, and really became very close to him and studied intensively with him for five years. And he has an amazing way of integrating the highest and the so-called darkest. And through him, I also learned a tremendous amount about intergenerational and collective trauma. And I finished studying with him about two years ago, mainly just because I felt I needed to kind of stand on my own two feet more. <laughs> so, yeah, those are headlines, yeah. Mm. And I would love, you know, because obviously for people listening, right. Could you kind of break down for them? Because the, I think the aspect that I really enjoyed about our work we've done together and the conversations we've had is how actually we're not, if we don't do this, we're not accessing our power. Mm. Um, and I would, but I would love you to just, you know, speak to our audience as if they don't know what shadow right. work is and why it's so integral in our spiritual process. Okay. Yeah, that was actually beautiful how you said that. that. That's really an essence of it. Because let's look at it really in the kind of, I think, the most simple and, simple and helpful way possible. What do we mean by trauma? Let's look at it like this. Everyone, I believe, everyone, as we're growing up, we have certain experiences that are too much for our nervous system to process literally too much and those can be seemingly small things you know right through to really obviously serious things but small things can be you know in my family however good it was bottom line is there were moments when i didn't feel received i didn't feel related to i and i learned of course that parts of me were not acceptable that's just almost normal development. But the point is that what I do in those moments, and, and as I've come to understand, it's remarkable that we know how to freeze that energy. Mm. It's like an inborn intelligence in us. Mm. So emotions are running. I feel lonely. I feel hurt. I feel angry. I feel frightened. And I'm not able to process mm. what do i do i lock that energy literally therefore and that accumulates and then so it's like by the time i'm an adult all of us are walking around with whole parts of our energy system because we are an energy system yeah, frozen frozen and I live in a kind of bubble that I learned to live in. And I may, I mean, I work with chief execs who are very successful. And there are whole parts of them frozen. And we don't know. The only way we actually will know, first of all, if we have an interest and willingness to know, the only way we'll know is through our life. 
what's not working. Mm. Now, I may be super successful in that area, but actually, if I really look at like my relations, my parenting, my, you know, there'll be whole areas of my life that if I really look, no, they're not fully. Also, of course, my manifesting. This is huge, mm. because when people come to me and they say, well, I can't, I don't seem to be able to make projects happen. Some people would say, okay, let's look strategically. And that may have value. Maybe you're not planning properly, but nine times out of 10, the first place we need to look is where is your energy frozen? Because our whole relationship with the outside world is to a large degree determined by how much free-flowing energy we have and how much of our energy is frozen. Mm. So that's the kind of basic definition of trauma and why we need to do this work. Mm. On a more mystical level, um, I studied many traditions. I'm partly Jewish, father, not mother. But in the mystical tradition of, of Judaism called Kabbalah, they talk about how the light is supposed to come right down into matter. Mm. And that, to me, is a very powerful metaphor. Because if whole parts of our matter are frozen, the light cannot come down. So, And, and then, of course, you have the interesting and sometimes very dangerous phenomenon of people who can access very high states they can go up but their lives are a mess and at worst sometimes you know really abusive in the case of many of the gurus who, yeah. who it seems it would look like they didn't do their shadow work and what do we mean by shadow work it just means that we look to those areas that are more frozen and of course it's Many, many, many people go through their life and don't do that. It's not an obligation. It's a choice if we want to develop our fullest potential. People live their whole life without ever doing that kind of inner work. Even spiritual people lead their whole life. But actually, once one becomes aware of that, you see that, that the life is not actually as fully participatory. That would be another word. It's like, how much do we actually participate in life? Because I don't believe we can participate fully in life just by going up into spiritual dimension. And what's your take on, because the way I, I've experienced it is those shadow aspects of myself come up so I can integrate them. And it's almost, right. it's almost like that, that pattern of behavior or whatever it is that you're not seeing will keep appearing until you integrate it. So I, I would <laughs> yes. love your thoughts on that. <laughs> well, I think you're absolutely right, but we still have to sign up to, you know, because again, many people go through their life with a lot of dysfunctional symptoms, but they don't want to look. And that's okay, because we need the right support and we need the right circumstance to look. And then, I mean, I want to say also something about the, let's be, let's talk at some point now about intergenerational and collective trauma, just to bookmark that. But first, you see, I think we have to look at our wider culture, which I believe is found, founded on a kind of bedrock of absence and disconnection. It's, it's, it sits 
within a complete disconnection between thinking mm. and feeling and sensing. Mm. Mm. So, and we have normalized that so much mm. that we don't realize how abnormal it is. We don't realize that it's abnormal to talk to someone and not feel them. Mm. Mm. Very good point. Wow. We, we, we think it's normal to walk around not really feeling our environment, not really feeling my body. So that also contributes to the, the whole topic we're talking about. Mm, for in, because for instance, when I start working with people, one of the big kind of things we have to gently correct is that if I say to you or whoever I'm working with, tell me how you're feeling right now. At first, 99% of the time, the person will just say how they're thinking, what they're thinking. Mm. Even if they start a sentence with the words, I feel, because this is what's normalized. We were so detached from our emotions. So doing the, that also means doing the work is a very precise and, and committed process because we have to gradually correct that habit. Mm. We also, I just want to put on a kind of big flag for the fact that um, very often when we start the work, we can't feel. It's like we may realize, gosh, you know, I'm a bit numb. When I really look at how I'm feeling, I don't know. That needs to be absolutely honored. You know, there was a lot of movement in the 60s and 70s about resistance and you had to kind of get through to really feel. Now, I've learned that that's absolutely not the way. If, if someone says to me, I can't contact my emotions, the first thing is we have to completely honor why that was so important. Mm -hmm. That when you were age three, four, five, 14, you close down your emotions for a very, very good reason. Mm. And if we really honor that, it's beautiful actually. And this is one of the deepest things I also learned from Thomas. If we really honor that, we never try and go past that. We don't, we, we get, we do not enroll in the idea that that's in the way. No, we meet exactly what's so, and then gradually often something starts to, to happen then we have to get rid of the idea that I'm blocked as a negative. No, you have a structure that's been really essential. Let's meet that consciously. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we're walking around and it's unconscious. But the moment we start to, in a relational space, meet exactly the structure that is present, including my not feeling, and respecting that, then we can enter a much deeper process. Mm, wonderful. And that's certainly been my experience in my own life. You know, I totally had to reconnect to my heart, yes. to my emotions. You know, I was somebody who was deeply depressed, nervous breakdown, and mm. very much learned to drink my emotions actually was was what i did right um right, and that right. re reconnection process obviously took time and i and i think you're so right because humanity has been um taught to live in their left brain and yeah. 
to uh, not honor their intuition and not honor their feelings and you know dismiss almost part of us in a huge part of us um so for our listeners um because i really think this is like ongoing work that we should should do it you read you read you read my thoughts <laughs> i was just thinking that <laughs> Um, and, and I suppose we also have this like almost like a game face, you know, I, I, I'll be honest when uh, to, for our listeners, I've done work with Nicholas and my friend had recommended him really highly. And I thought, fantastic, I'll go, I'll go. But I didn't be, I didn't know, as I said to you, I didn't know, really know what what the process was and how it was mm. going to work. And I remember consciously having to shift from mm. who I was, you know, kind of here with you now, probably doing the podcast into, OK, it's OK for me to be emotional. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to pick up on when I said you were reading my thoughts, I think once we really embrace this work, we come to the realization, which isn't always an easy one, that this will be forever. Because there are so many layers within us. And, And my experience with myself, I also, by the way, used to I was someone who would have days of huge kind of spiritual inspiration and then a week of total depression. Interesting. You know, and just swing between the two. And again, would hope that if I meditated enough, the depression would go away. So in the last five years, it's not only an ongoing work, it will be forever, but it does seem to go in cycles. And that's interesting. Meaning there seem to be my experiences, I can have quite a few months where I'm in a very easy flow with a lot of inspiration. I mean, obviously varies day by day. And then suddenly I'll seem to hit another kind of chunk or layer. Uh, and and then you know and it, sometimes it's like oh no, <laughs> and but that's actually how it is. It is forever. It is forever. And and even when we buy into the thought of how long will I have to do this, it's like that's an anti-life thought mm. because in the end it's very hard. But the more we surrender to the process, that is life. Mm. Life is not about living always in some kind of beautiful, inspired state. No, no, it's the whole, it's embracing the whole. And of course, as I'm sure you experience, the more of the um, integration work I do in myself, on the one hand, the deeper my work gets, that's very clear. And on the other hand, the deeper my participation in life gets. And the deeper my everyday encounters get, the more present I am, the more available I am. Yeah. And life just gets richer and richer, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my life has been a bit of a journey of, of experiencing that, you know, being right. who, who was disconnected, who, right. who, who couldn't be present because my thoughts were so intrusive in my head, who couldn't be emotional. You know, I couldn't what is life if you can't feel it if you can't you know cry for happiness you know right Right. um and so yeah i've totally experienced that that the level of connection you can get with a human being right you know when you can feel is just 
Incredible. Yeah, I agree. And it's very, I mean, it's powerful to hear you, even just how you recounted a bit your your journey and the kind of darkness in a way and drinking and everything. And in a way, I mean, it kind of speaks a bit to the archetype of the wounded healer. Like I think those of us who really do this work also have, you know, we have a strong calling also and a possibility as you do clearly to really be there for other people as well. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. And so for our listeners, you know, what would you suggest? So somebody's listening to this and maybe something we've said has already kind of triggered something for them. So like you were saying, you experience fantastic patches and then periods of depression. Mm. If someone's potentially going through that, what sort of advice can you offer? Um, mm. Obviously they can come and see you, but just something maybe practical we might be able mm. to talk to them about today. Yeah, that's a good question, Louise. Um, I think the first thing to understand is that by and large, we cannot do this work alone. So any kind of relational space we have, let's say with friends, we need to cultivate relational spaces that, that are what I would call unconditional. Meaning, if I tell you how I'm feeling, you do not try and fix me. You do not try and interpret or explain what I'm feeling. You offer me a pure presence. And if we, if we can manage to have small circles like that, that's already huge. I have those. Mm. I have two or three different groups where we're three people and we meet regularly and we give each other that space. That's how I keep doing my work. Mm also in my marriage when we need we're, we're able to do that um so that's that's a really high priority to find good relational spaces and then of course if that's not enough to to work with someone professionally mm. but someone who 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 knows this territory because as i'm sure you know valuable though therapy can be i also hear a lot of stories of people who do years of therapy and don't really touch okay. this level which mm. is interesting it's interesting that and but the relational bit is is crucial yes because so, that like you said it sorry you said it very again you said it very in a very articulate way we have to be able to drop our game face and we have to feel that it's safe enough to be vulnerable. And sometimes, here's another kind of, I think, important pearl, that we need to feel safe enough to say, I don't feel safe. Mm. Or to say, it's hard for me to trust this. That's already a very big step. We don't build trust by stepping over that. We build trust by feeling safe enough to say, I don't trust you, and you receive me in that. You don't say, oh, but you can trust me, or let's try and create trust. No, 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 no. We create trust by authenticity, an unconditional authenticity, because I'm pretty certain that every single person is walking around with layers of not feeling safe, but we cover them whether it's with the game face or however, 
but when we in a relational space to be able to actually recognize just this is the other thing we need to really okay you my advice is coming a bit strong <laughs> we need to slow down because our thinking mind goes much faster than our feeling or our sensing that's super important mm -hmm. because otherwise we just have meetings where we're just like that and we're talking about how I'm feeling and you know even if I say well I notice I'm quite anxious because and I start explaining it I've already gone away from the feeling and you did that brilliantly so slowing down with each other is totally essential or we will not break the dominance of thinking Sorry. You did, you did, no, you did that with me beautifully. That's what I remember. It mm. was that you slowed down to such a degree that it enabled me. I couldn't skip over it. I had to be present with it. And, of course, as soon as you're present with your, how you feel and it's, you know, a lower vibrate, like an energy vibration wants to come out, it comes out. <laughs> mm. uh, and it was very powerful, mm. actually. And I think that's a really, that's a very deep practice for people to work with together. Let's sit together and let's deliberately slow down, even if we have a few minutes quiet first, but then to support each other to slow down and to support each other to not go off into thinking and to pay more and more attention to how we do that because we do it so quickly. That's what our culture has taught us to do that's how our culture lives mm -hmm. so we're breaking a big a deeply ingrained habit there and and you call it witnessing is that what is that the expression yeah well i don't use that word a lot but in a way it is it is and this is also why um this is one of the purposes of mindfulness let's say is that it gives me because if i say to you how are you feeling the first thing is you have to learn how to notice what you're feeling. Yeah, of course. Because we can't think about what we're feeling, because that's what we'll do immediately. Okay, let, and then you see, it's very interesting. You see, I say to someone, how you feel? They go, um, it's like they're looking up into the mind for the answer. So we actually have to support each other to learn how to look. And how to look is I need to learn what it means to pay attention to notice and one of the best ways to practice is first of all to heighten my noticing of my body because anyway all emotions have a physical component even our language reflects it mm. so that's very important because even some clients i've worked with uh, and i say to them at, at the beginning you need to understand that paying attention has nothing to do with thinking noticing awareness is not the same as thinking some clients after four or five months say i finally got it <laughs> because the habit of thinking is so strong so i forgot how we started that but it's about noticing 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 mm. noticing body sensations is the most concrete form of inner noticing that's easier than noticing emotions what's happening in my body let me feel my body because then we'll see that we're so much like that most people are walking around not feeling their body at all mm -hmm. or we go to the gym and we do stuff to the body or people run with headphones in 
everything that is actually not feeling the mm. body. That's why things like yoga, qigong are also really valuable, really valuable practices. They also slow us down. They open up our channels. Mm. Yes, and I, I, that was, I remember the other thing that was very strong was your presence. You know, you were mm. present and with me. Right. And, and, and that in itself was very powerful because I felt seen. Exactly. Um, exactly. And like you said, I think often, I think this would be something the husband and wives sort of should train in <laughs> as, a matter of, <laughs> as a matter of course, because we all tend yes. to go into fixing mode. You know, our husband or wife tells you something and you're like, well, do this or do that. And it's actually, right. no, I just need you to listen. Right. I think women probably would relate to this one. Yeah, but I agree that most, I think it needs to be a mutual, a mutual yes. practice. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. And can you share a little bit more about um, how this, by doing this work, then opens us up to our full power? Because I agree with you. I think we are energetic beings. And, and mm. it was interesting hearing you talk about manifestation because within my dharma academy i always say to people if you've got lots of trapped trauma it's effectively i would describe it as lowering your vibration making you not as vibrationally powerful yeah. as you could be if you integrate all of that if you integrate your shadow so right. um maybe we yes can talk a little bit more about that because this is sure yeah no it's great you it's great uh, i might use slightly different terms but mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you um let's take a very simple example let's say in a in a work with somebody we suddenly they become aware of quite a deep anxiety or fear in them and by the way even if we don't have time to talk about it now like i work with several african-american leaders and there is a point where we we get to where it's clear that that fear is both personal but also ancestral right like it's been passed down Interesting. and that actually there's a certain level of real existential fear for my life deeply buried in our body frozen but let's that's more like to bookmark that but let's just talk about fear so you you notice that you're feeling fear the typical belief about fear right is fear blocks me when i ask a group of executives how many of you believe fear blocks you everyone puts their hand up that's the myth we believe in mm. because actually what happens is if if we if you will feel safe enough to stop analyzing the fear stop trying to fix it and actually let me just let me drop into that fear okay and we do that you know for a few minutes and as you say i'm with you and you feel me feeling you which is a big support mm. guess what happens Eloise? what happens is two at least two things in my experience over and over you start almost always to feel your body much more and interestingly to feel your legs and your feet much more that's very interesting secondly often after that process you will feel very open and relaxed and mm. that frozen energy of fear has become life force mm. and therefore power 
Mm. In one way, it's just, I think it's as simple as that. Mm. You know, if we reduce it to kind of essence principles. So I couldn't agree more with you. So that's why when people are having difficulty manifesting, I hardly ever look outside at their life. I'm always looking at what is not, where is your energy not flowing? Mm. Because we are born to manifest. Mm. It's a that we're born to, in the sense that we have a deep, once our interior becomes more integrated, our natural ex, impulse is to express ourselves naturally. Mm. And when there is incoherence outside, I'm almost always sure it's incoherence inside. Incoherence meaning there are bits of me that are excluded. That's another important word. The more of me I include, including the frozen parts, the more my energy will flow. And by the way, in my experience, the higher my meditation will get as well. Mm, interesting. It's not the two are also interdependent. Interesting, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is that obviously when we do release emotion like that or we cry, you know, it, it feels tiring, but we feel so much better after. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but it's I think what I think what's it. yeah, I think what's tiring. What we meet actually is all the tension we've used mm. to not feel. That's in the end what's tiring. You mm. know, and this is this is something I work with a lot with people. Is the idea because. When people say they're tired, most of the time it's not tiredness. It's that energy is not flowing. Mm, and also because we're carrying a lot, we make a lot of effort not to feel. And then we have to get into, you know, substances or whatever to kind of feel more alive. But actually, as you say, when we do this work, we can get to the end of a uh, really busy full day and feel very energized mm, absolutely very, yeah yeah and do you train people to do this as well yes yes i do i have a um actually at the moment uh, we're in the middle of a fantastic ongoing men's program which oh, wow. is yeah we've got about 50 men going through deep journey that's not so much a training but i do do a training um called transformational coaching and i offer that once a year and that's where i really try and teach people what it means to have that kind of presence that you referred to mm. the kind of because that as you rightly say is deeply enabling mm. that's we need to feel held it's a transmission actually it's like a carpet that says, I'm here, and anywhere you go, I'm with you. Mm. But it's, of course, my ability to do that is 100% dependent on my inner work. Yes. Otherwise, you'll go to like deep despair, and I'll get freaked out by that. Mm. No, if I've met at least something of that in myself, I can be totally with you. And by the way, something like, when someone is able to actually touch and feel deep despair for a moment and feel held in that, that can be very transformational. Absolutely. Well, you know, These so-called negative emotions, that's the first thing. Let's get rid of the idea that there are positive and negative emotions. That is the biggest block of all. Mm. 
Well, the other thing I'd love to just touch on, because I appreciate the time, but, you know, what what people also need to understand is if we don't integrate these emotions, then we project them onto others. Ah, very good point. <laughs> yes, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's happening in a, you know, on a global scale as well. If you, you know, this huge amounts of polarization going on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And of course, in, in our, all our relations. Mm. Well, yeah. that, this is how we need to move up as a collective, you know, yes. if everyone takes their inner work as right. you know, their responsibility, right. it will help us shift as a collective. Yes. And, and we need to do big group processes as well. That That's something I studied a lot with Thomas. We did, you know, we did some extraordinary large group processes, you know, dealing with things like the Holocaust with Germans wow. and Jewish people together, you know, for, for a few days, but really committed to being with the feeling. Um, and that was obviously incredibly intense. And interestingly, often in that work, to go back to what I said earlier, the first day or so, we would meet huge numbness. And everyone would be tired. And, and you know, Thomas, who is a master facilitator, would really just say, let's feel this. Let's, we're not fixing it. Let's just notice that that's the first thing we meet. This kind of, I want to lie down. And then if we stay with that, we honor that, then something starts to open, something starts to open. We have to be unconditional towards the process. That's the most radical and most powerful principle I believe we can learn. That's what I try and teach people how to do. I got a lovely email yesterday from a woman who trained with me last year, out of the blue, saying how much she's using the work. And, and interesting, the small group she was in during the training, they're still meeting every week using this unconditional presence. Mm. So to support each other in that is, is, is very powerful. Yeah, and I, I've had someone who tried to do a similar thing that we did together and it was it's interesting now hearing you talk because I realized with you there was this unconditional safety and it it enabled me to go there. Mm. Whereas with the other person I didn't feel safe. So right. I, I just right. I was blocked completely. I couldn't right. leave, couldn't go open up at all. Right. Um and so it's it is it's a real art mm. really is that you've developed. It's a skill and it's the and it's the result of ongoing work and it gets deeper and deeper that's also what i feel i you know why one reason i love my work is that it, it just keeps kind of getting deeper just mm. beautiful, beautiful fantastic mm. so how can people contact you nicholas they're interested in finding out more maybe joining one of your circles mm. um my website nicholasyanni.com and that's where i put all information about trainings the next coaching training will um, very likely be in spring of 2021, all online, of course. So is it live or is it? Um, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's live. It's three, three-hour classes and practice in between. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm, I, I'm very interested in that myself because I think... It, <laughs> that would be wonderful. Well, it's powerful, you know, to be able to hold space for your, you know, exactly. for your clients yes. like yeah. that. It's incredibly yeah. powerful. Yeah, I have a lot of projects on the go. I mean, the main part of my work at the moment is called Leader as Healer. 
and that's what I'm offering in the corporate world and, right. and it's gradually really being listened to so my website has all the details Mm. Yeah. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I feel like we could talk a lot yes. more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we must. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, but thank you so much for joining us. And I and I know that people listening will have found that so valuable because I think yeah. there's also um, a bit of a misnomer out there around shadow work and how it works. Yes. You know, people I don't think that's true. understand yeah. it. Yes, um, it's true. But I think, you know, people listening hopefully understand that there's a real benefit not only to yourself, but to our planet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you again next week on the Dharma (laughs) Podcast with another incredible guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Dharma Life podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. Please come over and say hello on my Instagram, our Facebook group. And also, please let me know what you thought. So if you are listening, please take a screenshot of the podcast that you are listening to. Tag me on Instagram and I will reshare your post. And please let me know what it is that you got out of today's episode. Remember, when we do our Dharma, we are happier, healthier, we live longer, and we have a deep sense of unshakable inner peace.